Well, hi again. Hi again. You know, it was fun to, sorry for messing up. It, I, I had it so good in practice, and then I start, I get up here, and you might find it kind of weird. I still get nervous after, you know, doing it for a few years. Um, but I, I had the, Eddie asked me to help because uh, Sadie has gone on vacation, so to, to be able to step in and help out, is, it was fun. So uh, thanks for thanks for worshiping with us. It was it was a good uh, morning. And then uh, if you're a guest, I don't think we see um, we got one guest. Sorry to point you out. <laughs> um, but if you're a guest here, uh, we have gifts in the back. Uh, feel free to grab a bag. And uh, inside there, it's just uh, we got a coffee mug and, and some information. Uh, we just want to connect with you. Um, even on, if you're watching online and you've not ever uh, uh, connected with us, I encourage you to go to lifechurchutah.com. Uh, it just helps us to keep in touch, let you know what upcoming things uh, are or what's coming up um, on the agenda. Um, and then uh, your tithes and your offerings, if you have any gifts, um, tithes you want to give, back in the back again, we have it at the kiosk and then online at lifechurchutah.com. I have Brad back there showing us, this is the spot. Um, before we go on, I have a, it's a really, uh, it's a cool video I want to show you guys. Uh, I told you it was coming last week, uh, but here it is. Check it out. I thought I would uh, take you all the way to Tooele. <laughs> so we are, uh, we are here at Tooele today. And uh, so excited to be uh, to see what God is doing uh, through Life Church Tooele, handing out backpacks uh, to families. We know that this school year is uh, unlike any other, right? In the start of it, and so being able to provide uh, backpacks for these families is super important for us. Uh, last week at the West Valley campus, we um, we handed out about 750 to uh, the to Valley Junior High, and today I believe we've got about 150 backpacks. Uh, many of those have already been handed out, and uh, the families that are receiving them are just super excited and uh, so grateful. Hey, I've got somebody here. Can I introduce you to somebody here real quick? Hey, everybody. This is Pastor Forrest, and uh, yeah, he's not on much of a slope. We are about the same height, so uh, here with Pastor Forrest. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what's going on? And I've already explained the basics, but what does this mean for Life Church Tooele? Uh, it's, just, it's exciting that uh, as a church community, we've been able to give back to our local community uh, to help kids throughout the school year, like Pastor Rich was saying. This year is unprecedented, and to be able to help families that are in need, that have kids that need supplies, uh, it's just it's a blessing to us to be able to give to them so that they're prepared for the school year. Um, couldn't ask for better volunteers. Uh, oh, yeah. And the turnout's been fantastic, yeah. so it's awesome. It really is a shout-out to, uh, to all the volunteers that are helping out right now.
I was just a special uh, outreach that we did. It was a lot of fun, and again, thank you to all of you guys that came out and helped. Um, and again, I, I've said it, I think, for the last four weeks. If it wasn't for your uh, incredible generosity, it wouldn't be possible for us to do that. So thank you for continuing to give of your time, your efforts, uh, your monies. Uh, it really does make an impact in our local community. Um, before we jump into the message, there's one that last week um, we prayed for the fires in the western United States, and because it, it, it's pretty bad. Well, today I want to take a minute and pray for our nation as, as a people. Um, there's a lot that's going on um, right now in our country. There's a lot of division. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of anger. And the thing that we need to remember is hope doesn't come from a political party. It doesn't come from a president. It doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from you. It comes from Jesus. And right now, our, our country needs Jesus more than ever. And I, I have to believe, um, and in fact, I had a, a talking with Pastor Rich last week, and we were talking about God pouring out his spirit again. And um, I, I have believed for a lot of years that God has to pour out his spirit one, you know, uh, one last time before Jesus comes back, uh, another great awakening. And um, I was talking with Pastor Rich, and it's like, you know, I, I believe that's going to happen, and, and why can't it start here in Tooele at, at Life Church? Why can't it happen in West Valley at Life Church or Life Church Espanol? Because um, we need that. The, our, our country needs that. The people in our communities need that hope. They need that, that peace. They need that reassurance of what life is in Jesus and to experience that freedom. So I just wanted to take a couple minutes and just pray uh, for our country um, and really ask God to, to pour out his spirit upon all of us. So, Father, we come to you this morning, and right now there's so much hurt, anger, confusion, deception uh, all around us. It almost seems like we don't know who to believe, what to believe. We, we don't know what's truth. We don't know. We just, we're in need of you. So, Father, I ask right now that you would begin to stir in the hearts of people. That, Father, we would recognize that hope comes through you, through Jesus. And that through Jesus comes salvation and peace and I just pray, Father, for the people in our communities. Father, whether we are divided by uh, socioeconomic, uh, 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 or socioeconomics or, or race or uh, gender or religion or whatever, I just pray, Father, that those walls, those barriers would be broken down, that we would recognize that we are the human race, and the human race is in need of Jesus. So I ask, Father, right now that you begin to stir in our hearts. Lord, help us to humble ourselves to come before you and, and to repent that you would hear from heaven, Lord, that we need you. 
and that you would pour out your spirit. I pray that you would give wisdom to our leaders. Be with President Trump, Lord. I pray that you would give him wisdom on, on how to act and how to move forward and to Vice President Pence and to the cabinet and to our senators and our judges and uh, those that sit in the House of Representatives uh, all the way down to our schoolhouses and uh, here in, in, our, in our, our church here in Tooele. I just pray, Father, that you would give us wisdom, that you would help us to be the light and the salt of the earth, that we would be able to share your love, to share your peace with a world that is desperately in need of it. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would rend the heavens and come down and make your name known because we need you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so last week, well, let me start with this. Do you ever get talking? And as you're talking, you have thoughts that are flowing, and then you say this, you say this, and then you get done, and you're like, I wish I would have said that, uh, or I could have said that, or I should have went this direction, or I should have said this. Well, that happened to me last week. In fact, um, I, I had this this whole like conclusion to the sermon that I never kind of got to. In fact, Allison and I were uh, on our way home, and we were talking, and I, we must have thought it at the same time, but I gave this incredible backstory of how my dad was this great influence in my life and how he, uh, what he taught me influenced me to, make, to help me be the man I am today. And then I realized I never like tied that in to the end of the message. Like, how does Jesus inside of us relate to this story of my dad and his influence uh, on me? So today you get Christ living inside of us version 1.2 and today's message. So lucky you. <laughs> so last week we looked at um, how life-giving freedom is only found in Jesus. And we've taken our whole study and, and kind of wrapped it up in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Well, how does that statement really tie into my story with my dad? Well, you see, when we allow Jesus, when we invite him into our hearts and into our lives, his influence on us begins to change us. Um, it seems like it might almost be daily. Um, Allison will say, that is so much like your dad. That look was like your dad. The way you said that was like your dad. The way you did that. And it's like, well, I can't help it. It's it's inside of me. Half of me is him, so it, it's bound to, to come out. And that's the way Jesus living inside of us should be. That as we live our lives, people are like, wait, that's different. Wait, wait a minute. That looks, like, that, that looks like maybe Jesus living inside of that person. You know, it, sometimes, and I said a couple weeks ago, when your words won't communicate, All right. When our, when our words are unable to communicate, the way we live our life communicates. And people see that and they recognize that. And, and that's the, the way 
the influence of Jesus over us should be. Just like my father's influence, the way he taught me from a very early age how, how to uh, walk, how to eat with a, a fork and a spoon, and how to ride a bike and throw a ball. The same way Jesus teaches us how we should live our lives, and it looks different, and it sounds different, and people are able to recognize that. And in Galatians uh, 2.20, it says, you know, I no longer live, but Christ lives inside of me. And that can be a hard statement for some people. That what, what does that mean, that I no longer live? Well, you see, when we take and uh, the sin, the shame, the guilt, and all that, and we put that on the cross, and we say that is, that's dead with, with Christ, that we now have freedom from that. But that also means that self also has to be put into check. And we put that there as well. And then because it's, it's, it seems easier to say, I believe, and then our lives don't look any different. It's another thing to say, okay, Jesus, I accept what you've done. I give you the, the steering wheel. I give you the keys to the car. Now lead my life, direct my life. And how, how does that happen? How does Jesus direct our lives? How does he move in our, in our lives and, and, and change us? And that leads us into what we're going to talk about today, about how the Holy Spirit empowers us to live our lives. And we're going to pull that from Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Um, but before we jump there, oh, that's my son. That's okay. That story's coming in a minute. I got a different story right now. So my father-in-law, he, he did his time. He paid his dues, and he got to be able to retire. And I think he stayed retired for about a month, maybe half a year. We'll give him half a year. And what he ended up doing, he has a friend that does construction work and remodeling, and he uh, started helping him out uh, doing remodels in people's homes. And they did this remodel up in Sugar House, and this couple was the, a full overhaul of the kitchen and basically their whole main floor. And as they were going through taking everything out, their appliances were they were replacing. And um, they said, if you know anybody that could use an appliance, a refrigerator, let them know they, they can just have it. And so my father-in-law calls us up and he's like, hey, this... This gal I'm doing work for, she's getting rid of this refrigerator. Uh, would you guys be interested in it? And we weren't necessarily in the market for a, a refrigerator, but it was like, well, it'd be nice to have one for extra storage. So send us a picture. And it, it was a nice refrigerator. It was the uh, stainless steel front, the, the French doors, and the freezer on the bottom. And it's like, <laughs> well, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll take the fridge. And so we go out, and I pick it up, bring it home, and Cleaned it all up because it got dirty from construction and stuff, and it's been a great fridge. And we didn't receive that refrigerator because I was there doing the work. I didn't. We didn't get that refrigerator because we had followed uh, my father-in-law's rules on life or anything like that. But we received that refrigerator because we knew my father-in-law because we had a relationship with him. And Paul today, he's making the case. You didn't receive the Holy Spirit 
because you followed the rules. You, you, you got the Holy Spirit because you believed and had this relationship with Jesus. He was a gift to you. And Paul, you know, he, he makes this, uh, he's making the case throughout chapter 2 that we looked at last week uh, of Christ living inside of us and how uh, there is no justification through the law and how uh, it was only through faith in Jesus. You would think at this point, Paul would have been like, okay, now here's the 20-step program to move forward, kind of like we do in our world. We got a 10-step program, a 15-step program. And instead, he kind of hits them right in between the eyes with, with a fastball. And it, it seems kind of out of place, but I think what Paul is doing is he wants them to look back on what they've experienced. He wants them to look back and kind of figure out the answer for themselves. He's kind of led them to this point, but he wants to say, reflect on what you've been through, what you've gone through, and you'll see the answer is there. So in a series of five questions, Paul wants to remove this hook, if you will, of this false teaching that you've got to also follow the law to have salvation. And uh, this hook metaphor comes from, cue the picture, a fishing trip I did with my son yesterday. Um, we had a lot of fun. It was kind of a, a son-daddy day and uh, went out, uh, taught him how to shoot the pellet gun, and then he's, he wanted to go fishing. So we just went up here to Settlement Canyon at the reservoir. And uh, we get there, and I, it's been a long time since I've fished. And I'm, of a lot of things, I, I am not a fisherman. Uh, I have a pole and some hooks and some power bait, and that's about it. But we were going to make a, an effort. So we get down there, we get the, the, the hook in the, in the water, and nothing, nothing, nothing. So I'm like, son, let's move down to where the river's coming into um, a little closer to where the water's kind of getting stirred up. The fish might be there. And we walk past this couple, and I was like, how's the fishing been? Have you caught anything? She's like, oh, yeah. We've caught, I've caught like 20. He's caught like 40. It's, it's been, they're biting today. And it's like, can we fish next to you? And they're like, yeah, that's fine. So we throw it out there, and we're sitting there. We're getting nothing. They catch a fish. Nothing. They catch a fish. And Harrison's like, Dad, I'm bored. I want to go home. I'm like, no, let's just keep trying. And the, the gal must have heard Harrison because she was um, – you could see her starting to stir things up. And he's like, Daddy, let's just go ask them what they're doing. Let's, let's see what they're – and I'm like, well, you can go over there and ask them all I really – he's like, no, come with me, come with me. Well, she starts making her way over, and she's, she's like, use this hook and use this bait. And it's this bait that she had made, and I kid you not, I tied the hook on there, put the bait on, and within five to ten minutes we had a fish. So whatever she has cooked up in her kitchen, it, it's good stuff. So in about 30 to 40 minutes, we caught four fish. And to the embarrassment of me not being a fisherman, I don't know if you've ever seen the tool that's used to get the hook out of the fish's mouth. I didn't know how to use it, so I'm like, hey, can you? So not only do I not know how to fish, but I don't know how to get this hook out. Can you come teach me? And so the guy comes over. He's like, you got to hold it tight, and you got to wrap it around twice, and you just got to go fast. 
And it's like, oh, that poor fish. Like you feel, you almost want to like just eat him so he didn't suffer for nothing. Um, but some of those fish, like they get the hook way down in there. And and sure enough, it's, it sounds like it hurts, but it, it, maybe it does. I don't know. But they lived and they, they swam away. But all of that to share the metaphor, I think that's the image I got when, when Paul's talking to the Galatians about this false teaching. They had taken it hook, line, and sinker. It was way down deep, and he wanted to make sure that all of it was removed. So he hits them with these five questions. And we're going to pick up the story in verse 1 of chapter 3. We're going to read through verse 4. I typically speak out of uh, the English Standard Version. Today I'm reading out of the New Living. I really liked the imagery that it, it gives us. Uh, it says this, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, what magician has cast an evil spell on you? For you used to see the meaning of Jesus Christ's death as clearly as though I had shown you a signboard with a picture of Christ dying on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by keeping the law? Of course not. For the Holy Spirit came upon you only after you believed the message you heard about Christ. Verse 3. Have you lost your senses? After starting your Christian lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you suffered so much for the good news? Oh, you have suffered so much for the good news. Surely it was not in vain, was it? Are you now going to just throw it all away? Let's pray. Father, I come to you, and I, again, thank you for your word. And I ask that today, uh, as we look at this, principle of the spirit empowering us uh, i just pray that holy spirit you continue to stir in this place you've already been here with us as we were worshiping so i pray that you continue to be in this place and, and stir our hearts open our ears to hear what you are saying our eyes to see our minds to understand we thank you and give you all the glory it's in jesus name we pray amen now the, the, the opening of this, this first question, it's kind of harsh. You know, oh, foolish Galatians, what magician has cast an evil spell on you? And I liked that imagery because it rem reminds me of that old song, Love Potion Number 9. Do you remember that? Like, like you, you have your senses about you and everything's good, but then someone comes by with this love potion and you're just like, oh, my gosh, I just, I love you. And you have... That's what she did to me. She had the love potion number nine. <laughs> She's shaking her head at me. Um, but that's kind of what I think Paul's getting at. He's like, you guys had, had the, the truth. You had this, this sense about you. So who's come along and just bewitched you with this spell that has caused you to turn away from what you knew? And it, it's caused Paul some frustration, obviously. And then he goes on and he says, for you used to see the meaning of Jesus Christ's death as clearly as though it had, uh, I had shown you on a signboard with a picture of Christ dying on the cross. Basically, if I was to stand here and give you a picture of it, you understood it. What has happened? Now, the thing we need to remember is to the Galatians, crucifixion was no new thing. In the, Ro in the Roman provinces, crucifixion was, 
it was common. It was a daily occurrence. It was something that they had practiced for over 500 years. They had perfected it. It was quite gruesome. Um, in fact, one of the senators uh, in Rome was like, th this shouldn't even be part of our society. It's so grotesque. We, we should never use this. And if you do some studying on it, it w we're familiar with Jesus on a cross. Well, they went so far as sometimes to impale people um, just to make a, a mockery, to make a, a, to to put on display. You know, if you're going to think about doing this, if you're going to believe this, if you're going to commit a crime, this is what happens to you. And they would leave them even for days after they were hung there. Uh, they would break their legs. Um, they would... It was just gruesome. So the, the Galatians are familiar with this. This isn't anything new to them. But what Paul is getting at is you understood the significance of why Jesus died. You understood that it wasn't he just died because the Jewish people uh, accused him of blasphemy. He died because it was for the remission of sins. It was for freedom. It was so that you could have life to the full. And, and he begins to make this case um, in verses 2 through 4 about, well, you received the Spirit. Why? Why did you receive the Spirit? So we look at verse 2. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by keeping the law? Of course not, for the Holy Spirit came upon you only after you believed the message you heard about Christ. Christ. Verse 3, have you lost your senses? After starting your Christian lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you suffered so much for the good news? Surely it was not in vain, was it? Are you now going to throw it all away? See, central to what Paul's asking them is about the spirit of God. And when we talk about the spirit of God, sometimes if you've been in church for a minute, uh, been involved with the assemblies of God, you can get this wrong connotation of the Holy Spirit that it's mysterious and that it's it's weird and but that's not the truth about the Holy Spirit. You see, it's easy for us to grasp this concept of the Father, God the Father, as someone that's in heaven that's looking down, He's watching over us as a Father would watch over us. That that one's easy to grasp. The the Son, that one's easier the the son jesus came and and died for our sins but the spirit just kind of seems mysterious but in genesis right from the beginning right out of the gate it mentions it talks about the holy spirit and and we're it says this in genesis 1 in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth now the earth was formless and empty darkness covered the surface of the watery depths and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, you see, from the earliest descriptions of the Holy Spirit, he's, he's hovering, he's brooding, he's watching over. Almost the, the imagery is like a, a, a hen watching over her, her chicks. He's, he's there to, uh, to as an uh, integral part of the, the story. It's just not a, a, a flyover. It's not a, a detachment. But he's there actively interacting with the process of, of creation and, and with people. And throughout the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit has different roles. Uh, when the uh, Israelites are being led out of 
uh, Egypt. The Spirit led them by a, a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. And then we see in Exodus chapter 31, when they're getting ready to put together uh, the things for the tabernacle, the, the Holy Spirit has an integral role. It says in Exodus 31, uh, then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Aholiab, son of Ahizamach, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I have given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you. You see, the Holy Spirit was there, but it was a, a temporary thing. It wasn't a permanent fixture in the lives. We, we see uh, the, in the uh, Old Testament in Ezekiel, Isaiah, Joel, uh, God alludes to there's going to be a shift in this. There's going to be a shift that it's not just a one-time experience but it's going to be a permanent thing. It's going to be uh, an indwelling. It'll be the Holy Spirit with you. In fact, Jesus embraces this, this new reality and this new experience when he was talking to his disciples. And we see it in John chapter 16. It says, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes... He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. You see, it's noteworthy that Jesus says it's to our advantage. A lot of us think, well, if Jesus was just with me, if, if he was here, I could have victory over this. If he was here, I'd have courage to do this. If he was here, but Jesus says, no, it's to your advantage. Because when I go, I send the helper. I send the one that will comfort you. You see, we need the Spirit inside us. We need the Spirit in us. When the Spirit is in us, he will convict the world of sin. He will reveal what that is. When the Spirit is within us, he will convict the world of righteousness and encourage us towards that. When the Spirit is within us, it will convict the world of judgment and bring clarity to what that is. And we see in, in Acts chapter 2 where the disciples, they, they have not experienced the Spirit yet. They have not seen the outpouring of the Spirit yet, but they knew that Jesus had promised it. Back around um, Easter uh, on Facebook, I did a, a little thing uh, for Easter, and, and the point that I was making there is you have to know the God of the promise to trust the God of the promise. And the disciples knew the God of the promise, so they were in an upper room seeking God, praying, anticipating the promise of God, And we see it played out in Acts chapter 2. It says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were, where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared uh, to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You see, Paul is confronting the Galatians about the outpouring of the Spirit. And we can get caught up in the 
the, the, the speaking of the tongues, but I believe with all my heart that there are, and we'll touch about this in a few weeks, there are other fruits of the Spirit. The, the, there are other ways to see that the Spirit is alive inside of you by the, the fruit you bear. And, and Paul, when he's confronting the Galatians, he, he's asking them, how did you receive the Spirit? What, what was it becoming? Uh, how did it happen? You know, and he asks them, did you receive the Spirit by doing works of the law or by, by, by believing what you heard? It's a rhetorical question. Of course it was not by doing the law. They didn't know the law. These were Celtic people that were uh, heavily into Hellenistic beliefs, believing in the Greek gods and goddesses. They, they didn't know the law of God, so of course they didn't receive the Spirit by knowing the law. Then he asked, did you experience so much for nothing? Does God supply you with the Spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Again, a rhetorical question. The supply of the Spirit and the power of him to work miracles was not done by the law, but it was done through their faith. It was done because they believed they had experienced his presence. They had experienced this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and they were willing to turn that, give that away to take on the rules of the law. That's why he said, have you gone through so much? Have you experienced so much? He's wanting them to recall what they have gone through by giving them these rhetorical questions. You see, they didn't get it because of what they did. They got it because they believed. Just like I received a refrigerator because of my relationship with my father-in-law, they received the Holy Spirit because of their relationship with Jesus. You see, we need the Spirit inside of us. And I know I'm over, so I'm trying to get through this. Um, but you see, Paul was challenging the Galatians to remember the life that they had lived in Jesus. And that the, he wanted to show the, 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 the point that life in Jesus, the, a natural byproduct, is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling and, and living inside of you. In fact, Paul writes to the Roman church, a few years later. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. And to the church of Ephesus, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, we're sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. You know, that last one echoes what he's saying to Galatians. You heard the word of truth. You heard the story of Jesus. You believed. You were led by the Spirit to believe. You were led into all truth, and you were sealed with this promise by the Father, by him giving you the Holy Spirit. You are his. You see, with the Spirit living inside of us, we can live a life for Jesus confidently. You see, when, when we allow the Holy Spirit to empower our lives, he will guide us, he will direct us, and, and will you allow him to fill you? Will you allow him to guide you? Will you allow him to empower you? Now, some of that empowerment is when we make a mistake. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to convict you of what you have done and then to repent from that? You know, repentance is a, a 180. I was heading this direction. I'm going to turn, and I'm going to head back towards God. 
Are you going to allow the Holy Spirit to get a hold of your heart and convict you so that he can turn you back towards Jesus? Will you allow him to guide you in all righteousness? You see, it's a partnership. We have our role. It's not when we give Jesus the keys to the car. It's not like, all right, I'm done. It's all on you. We still have our part. We still have to be engaged. It's a partnership. See, Jesus told us that he was going to be our helper. He was going to be our counselor. He was going to be the one that walks with us and helps us through everyday life. So will you allow him to be that? What would this church look like if we were a people that were empowered by the Spirit? That when you have that confrontation, that, we, with that conflict that we talked about a couple weeks ago, and the Holy Spirit is inside of you, and you allow the Holy Spirit to, to move you and speak through you, the impact you can have on uh, your family member, your friend, your coworker. What, what, what would it look like if we were empowered and God was leading us into to ministries to reach out? Uh, I don't think the backpack thing would have happened if Tiffany didn't allow the Holy Spirit to prompt her to say, hey, are we going to do this this year? And then she took control and led it. She allowed the Holy Spirit to empower her. The, the Holy Spirit guides us in these things. So what does it look like if we as a church will grab this truth and allow it to sink deep into our spirits that the, the, the change that can take place, not only for us, but for our church family and for our community around us? My friends, we need the Spirit inside of us. And I know... I'm long, but I, I wanted to take a couple minutes, if it's okay. Um, Eddie, if you could come play a little something on the piano. I just wanted to take a few minutes, as the presence of God has been so strong in here this morning, and, and I think it would be uh, an injustice to not give him an opportunity to kind of grab at our hearts. Um, so... It, if you find yourself wanting that empowerment, if you're finding that, yes, God, I, I want you to lead me by your spirit into all righteousness. I want you to lead me into your spirit, but by your spirit into to freedom, into hope, and to give that. Um, it might be a little awkward, but if you'd come up here, you know, back in the day that this was referred to as an altar, where you would come and you would just take a minute and allow, separate your mind from everything else that's going on and just press into God. And if you would like the Holy Spirit to, to guide you and, and empower you, I encourage you, uh, you can do it in your seat. You can come up here and I would love to pray with you. But I would just take a few minutes and then I'll, I'll, I'll close in prayer.
come to you. And we thank you for your spirit. We thank you that your spirit empowers us. I thank you that he encourages us, that he is our counselor, that he is our helper, that he does life with us. Lord, I pray that you would empower us. Lord, as we prayed already this morning for our, our country, I, I pray that your spirit would be poured out upon Tooele, upon Life Church, upon the other life-giving churches in this valley. Lord, I pray that we would see an outpouring, an empowering of all of your people, of all of your children, for the glory of your name, for the furtherance of your kingdom. Lord, because in that relationship with Jesus, there is peace, there is strength, there is hope, there is forgiveness, there is grace, and that is only found through Jesus. Draw our hearts, Lord, that we would humble ourselves, that we would come before you. And I pray, Father, empower your people, empower your church to be the light and the salt of the earth, that we would share your goodness, that you would lead us, that you would guide us. Because at the end of the day, Lord, it is all for your glory. It is all for you. We bless you, we praise you, and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. My friends, I thank you for being here. I thank you for your, your heart of worship. I thank you for your willingness to allow God to speak to you and challenge you. Uh, I, I truly believe that this, this, this body right here, this family of believers, is going to be a catalyst for good things to come, that, that as God pours out his spirit, he is going to use each and every one of us for the glory of his name. And I thank you for being a part of that. Um, I thank you for being here, and I look forward to seeing you next week. I love you guys. God bless. <laughs>